Hey listener, welcome to the Comic Relief Podcast. Hope you survived the experience. The Comic Relief Podcast is an unscripted discussion about the pop culture surrounding comic books with your hosts, Uncanny Thomas Logue and Mighty Michael Moran. So we are back after many long decades of, uh, of being away from podcasting. We are back in the studio. How are you doing, Thomas? Good, good. And I'm glad to be doing another uh, podcast, finally. <laughs> yeah, when was the last time we recorded, actually? When was the last podcast that came out? Was it the Rogue One? The last one you and I did was San Diego Comic Fest. Whoa. Yeah, that was, that was a while ago. And then... I, that was a fun one, too. Yeah, it was. That was the one where we had the folks from the X-Men animated series and all yep. of that on there. Yeah, that was back in, oh man, was it like April? <laughs> I think it was actually February if we're going to be technical. But anyways, it's been a while and since then uh, a few movies have come out. So we have a lot of uh, catching up to do. We had uh, some very good string of movies come out and all very different. We had Logan come out in March. Very dark noir style movie uh amazing guardians of the galaxy volume two back in may again another amazing movie that was back-to-back hits then recently here in june we had wonder woman come out surprised the heck out of everyone i wouldn't have believed this but domestically it's the number two movie uh in 2017 so far just behind beauty and the beast so domestically it's wonder woman at two Guardians of the Galaxy at three, Spider-Man Homecoming at four, then Logan at five, and then a shout out to the Lego Batman movie at number eight. So uh, Wonder Woman came out swinging and has been killing it since. And then, of course, we had the amazing, spectacular uh, Spider-Man. Neither one of those. (laughs) Neither one of them. They just stopped putting titles in front of it. Yep. Exactly. We had Spider-Man Homecoming come out in July. I mean, these are just four back to back to back hits, man. And I've been I've been itching to talk about them since they've each come out. So let's, let's go ahead and jump in. What say you? Yeah, let's do it. Let's start with Logan. Cool. And then just just as a quick precursor here, for the sake of brevity, we're going to try not to talk too much or especially in detail about these movies. We're assuming that you guys have seen these movies. They've been out for a while. So we're going to sort of skip the who are the actors in the movie, what are the premises, uh, stuff like that. And we're just going to jump into what we liked, what we didn't like, and and our general sort of uh, impressions of these movies. And also, from this point on, spoilers. Logan yeah. has been out for a while. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't even have to say that. Uh, we should not, but we're going to. If you have not seen any one of these movies, I would say stop listening right, right. now. We're going to jump into Logan right, right now. Thomas, what was your impression of Logan? I was surprised. I actually really liked Logan. I liked the direction they went with it, like that dark feeling. But my only real problem that I had with Logan is, once again, it's a Logan movie. It's rated R. We're going to see Logan cut loose, and I don't think we really did. I mean, we see him cut loose once against the guys who are going to carjack him or whatever, and then we see him cut loose when he injects the drugs at the very end to kind of boost him, and he's, he's feral for like two minutes. My problem is that once again, someone else proved to be the better Wolverine or uh, someone was took away from Logan's performance. And I think uh, X-23 stole the movie. Yes. X-23 was awesome. 
Yeah. She was a better Wolverine to me than Wolverine was. <laughs> so it's unfortunate. This has been our gripe for every single Wolverine movie and, you know, all the X-Men movies as well. I think the closest we've gotten to an actual Berserker rage is in X2 when the, uh, you know, when the military is sort of invading the the, yeah. uh, the mansion yep. and he kind of breaks out and starts, you know, slicing people up. That's as close as that that we've gotten to uh, Berserker Rage. And it's that's pretty sad because that's yeah. not even very Berserkery. We did have another Berserker Wolverine moment uh, in X-Men Apocalypse when they first free him. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He yeah. cut through the guards, but it's similar to the X-Men Mansion scene. He's just cutting through people and then he runs out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, cool. <laughs> um, but I agree. I do like how they went with a subtle R. So there is yeah. blood. There is, um, you know, a... a serious violence and some cursing and some you know but it's not in your face like deadpool was and deadpool of course that's <laughs> deadpool, deadpool was a hard r <laughs> yeah dead that's deadpool stick though right because yeah. it's a hard r that's what they were gonna do that's what everybody was expecting but with logan they did it very uh subtly you know and and i did like that that it felt like if it wasn't wolverine Right. If it wasn't Hugh Jackman popping his claws out and it was just, uh, you know, a dude, it would still be a good movie. It was a very well put together movie. I agree with your gripe about the Berserker rage like they had again, just like the last uh, Wolverine movie. They had the moment set up. They had the scene set up. Everything was just sort of like ready to go. He was pumped with the with the serum or whatever for him to go berserk and fell short. Just like the scene in the Japanese village in the the Wolverine. That should have been Wolverine cutting loose and then instead he just falls in his face <laughs> uh, who's the villain name uh, pierce right uh, Boyd uh Hall- donald pierce yeah donald pierce yeah donald pierce boyd hallbrook was an excellent villain yeah he was he really was yeah. he was uh and, yeah go ahead no i was just gonna say i wish they would have done more with him because eventually you know the villain does switch to be a clone of wolverine whatever i think pierce was the <laughs> The better villain, you know what I mean, rather than the clone Wolverine at the end. They could have, they could have used, they could have brought back, uh, you know, uh, Sabretooth. They could have used Omega Red. I mean, they have, they could have used a better version of Cyber, a better version than in the comics because he sucks in the comics. But (laughs) they could have used any slew of X-Men or Wolverine villains, but they went with with Wolverine, Hugh Jackman, (laughs) Wolverine. And what's funny is like the the villain Wolverine was a better Wolverine than Wolverine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cuz he was <laughs> yeah. just cutting through, kicking butt. He was he was like a young a young Hugh Jackman. Yep. So my, the choice in villains really uh, it did bug me a little bit. To me this would have been the perfect opportunity to introduce Omega Red. If if you have this organization and you know you're going up against Wolverine, you're going to want something to sort of counter that healing factor that Wolverine has. This would be a good time to show Omega Red whose coils basically absorb life. You yeah. know what I mean? And perfect. if this is if this is going to be the last Logan movie anyways, right? This is sort of the bookend of yeah. this franchise. You can just remove the whole um the whole Russian side of Omega Red out, right? Yeah, just make an Omega Red that looks, sort of looks resembles like the Omega Red in the comics. I'm sure we would have been complaining about it, though, if they did do that. But <laughs> well, they—I mean—they could have easily said it was a Russian mutant who absorbs life. That's Done. all they had to do. That's it. 
Patrick Stewart, uh, uh, Charles Xavier was really good. I was surprised at how I, I wasn't expecting this this movie to really tug at the heartstrings as much as it did. Have you read the the um, the comic that this movie is based off of? Old Man Logan. I have not. I've so in the comics, it's again spoilers if you haven't read the comics. It's like a, a mid Wolverine. I think it's Mark Millar who did like a two or three issue Old Man Logan sort of a, a mini story, right? In the mid Wolverine run. And in the book, uh, Wolverine is actually tricked by. Um, oh my God, is Mysterio? Yes. Uh, yeah, that's what you told me before. Yeah. Is Mysterio, which is yeah. odd because that's a Spider Man villain. It's it's a Spider Man villain. Uh, okay, so in the in the in the books, Mysterio, uh, you know, sort of an illusionist, uh, tricks Wolverine into thinking that the mutants at Xavier Mansions are all villains, right? So Wolverine wakes up out of his slumber and he sees that the mansion is overrun with villains, and he goes and just berserk rage kills everybody in uh, the mansion. Uh, when he comes to, he realizes he's just slaughtered the X-Men and he kills Mysterio and he goes off on his, you know, his, his, uh, what, what do you call that when you sort of like, uh, sabbatical? Is it a sabbatical? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to take a long vacation. Yeah. <laughs> I may have messed up a little bit. I'm just going to go for a while. So he he sort of uh, disconnects himself from, you know, from all the the world of superheroing and stuff and fast forward into the future and he's like an old dude blah blah blah. I won't spoil any more of the story for you. That that though that part of the story is within the first two pages of the book. So that just sort of sets up the story. In this version, um I I kind of like what they they did. So Patrick uh I'm sorry, Patrick Stewart. Uh Charles Xavier is getting you know, I'm sort of getting a little older. Uh, he's losing control of his abilities, and he has these um, these attacks yeah. that wipe out the X Men. I like that spin on it. So they managed to sort of shoehorn Charles into the story, but not in a way that seems um, forced, right? I really liked the buddy story with Logan and Charles. I thought that was done really well. And then Logan and X-23, I thought that was done really well. So certain things I wasn't expecting from the, uh, the movie that pleasantly surprised me. That's what's kind of weird, though, right? Because there were there were essentially no mutants hardly left in yeah. the world because they put that stuff in the corn syrup. Yep. So apparently, did Charles Xavier just not eat anything that had corn syrup in it? Like he never had a, a coke. <laughs> no, he's on a strict diet. Strict diet. Uh, yeah, all natural, all <laughs> organic. <laughs> Probably paleo. I'm not sure. <laughs> paleo, maybe he has a uh, the one- mind to stick to it diet i guess (laughs) the one thing that okay so you had your thing that bugged you it it bugged me too the the one nitpicky thing that i had and it was it even bugged me before it was announced no still no costume we have never had a wolverine in costume and when the movie was coming out and when it was in production and they had announced that wolverine will not be in his uniform i sort of went online and was you know i i don't i want to say i was you know out there flaming people but i was upset man i was like give us a costume they could have put that in somewhere i don't know it bugged me a lot of people online were like through the costume wolverine doesn't need a costume Hugh jackman's the best and i don't know i'm just sort of uh, at odds with that a little bit like why can't they give a, I, I understand that it wouldn't fit for this story but a flashback right flashback. they had the, they had yeah. the comic books you know they had the uh 
the scene where he's looking at the comic books and he's you know he's talking to X twenty three and he's like oh it's it wasn't like that you just throw a little bit of a flashback scene in there you know what I mean a little fan service but yeah. we never got to see Hugh Jackman in uh, costume other than the biker leathers that they had in the X Men movies uh, once again the closest we got to Wolverine it quote unquote in costume was again Apocalypse where he was wearing at least the weapon X costume yeah. thing yeah that's with true the thing on his head and the thing on his crotch that is the <laughs> only comic book costume that Wolverine wore yes this movie did really well uh, critically it did really well in the theaters uh, in the box office um, there were talks of like you know awards so it wasn't it was one of those movies that isn't just like a good a comic movie. movie yeah yeah it's a good movie in general so if uh, you know people that maybe didn't like superhero movies necessarily they would probably still enjoy this um, maybe with even the the very slightest knowledge of x-men and mutants and stuff they would still probably enjoy this would you recommend this movie to folks i would um uh, because as you said it is a movie that is more than just a superhero movie you know what i mean there's a lot of heartfelt moments in it even though at the very end spoiler we already said it wolverine dies and x-23 is there mm-hmm. like i felt nothing for me I, f- I don't know why like chris was like i got teary-eyed i was like yeah it was weird like that scene happened i was like all right cool <laughs> What's funny is we went out the first time I saw this movie, right? I went out, we went out for drinks before the movie and and we went to one of those theaters where you can drink inside the movie theater. So oh, yeah. the drinks continued, right? I didn't remember too much of the movie, right? You I did, like I remember the factor wasn't countering the alcohol. <laughs> No, no. I, I kept up with the beats, though, and I got teary-eyed in, in a few different scenes, very teary-eyed in a few different scenes, and I came out of the movie very emotional, and I thought it was wonderful, and that's sort of how I explained it to people for, like, you know, the next couple weeks afterwards, that, you know, like, oh, my God, it was so emotional, and I teared up, and then I watched it again, sober, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> You're like, it's a good movie. <laughs> It's like, a good movie. I don't, I don't know why I was crying. Alcohol may have had something to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> Alcohol is a depressant, whether you know it or not. <laughs> yeah. So I have a question. Sure. Um, you said that Mark Millar did that Wolverine Mysterio, Old Man Logan story, right? Who was it that did the um, alias or uh, Jessica Jones story? Was it Mark Millar also? No. The oh, alias okay. story was um, Brian Michael Bendis. I, I was just going to say, it's interesting that they take Purple Man. All he ever did was go around, possess people, and make him like rob banks for him so he would never get caught. And then you know they turned him really dark for alias. And I thought it was maybe the same writer because they take Mysterio, who's just like, hey, I'm this illusionist. We kind of doesn't really not a very mm-hmm. serious kind of villain and then turned him very dark as well so that's interesting mark millar is one of my favorite writers man he does he takes characters that are um campy like, and goofy yeah. and stories that are just very, a little you know very comic book cliche and turns them into like really good stories by the way i, I like how, that they made purple man sort of not really a villain but sort of just kind of like a jerk not a villain do you remember what he did to the couple when he goes in the house yeah but but he wasn't uh he wasn't necessarily like out to rule the world or conquer the city he was just messed up in the head yeah all about him yeah and and jessica jones he was pretty obsessed with her well that was because of the resistance how many x's would you give uh logan zero to 23 (laughs) zero to 23 i'd probably give it about like 18 18 x's yeah and most of it is for x23 you know the professor x story was 
very heart-wrenching, but X-23 is the one I was mostly vested in. And it's amazing because she doesn't speak for almost half the movie. I think that's what I like the most about her. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, just don't talk. Cool that we she was to... able to convey that. Yeah, she was able to convey a lot of emotion and, you know, just through facial expression and stuff. Yeah, and the screaming. Ah! We have similar uh, opinions or outlooks on child actors that child actors are hard to come by and they can make or break a movie, right? They can definitely take you out of the uh, the yes. experience if you have a bad child actor. Whoever the little girl is, I forget. I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I apologize. I don't have it in front of me, but she did really well. When she started talking, it was, it was amazing that I didn't realize that she hadn't talked the entire movie. Right, so she started talking and I was like, wow, her voice is annoying. <laughs> <laughs> See, her voice didn't bother me. And I like that she cut between English and Spanish all the time yeah. when she was talking. That was so great. So yeah, I, I would give the I would give the movie maybe uh, 20 X's out of 23, something like that. Sort of yeah, sort of in that in that ballpark. It was the 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 stuff that I didn't like are very sort of nitpicky things, but overall it was a great movie that I that I would show someone that's not in comic books you know like yeah it's a good movie all right so moving on to the next movie this is something that uh i've been dying to talk to you about and uh <laughs> we are talking about guardians of the galaxy volume two. two came out on my birthday may 5th open it up here man what did you think you because you let's for a little background and i'm sure a lot of folks out there probably are very much aware of this the first guardians of the galaxy movie uh was a box office success mostly in part to thomas going to the movies <laughs> every other day to 30 watch. times <laughs> 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 so, what was your opinion on Volume Two? I liked, I liked Volume Two. Um, there was a lot of great moments in Volume Two, but there was also it was nowhere near as good as Volume One. Nowhere like, near as good. Now, like for me, Volume One is probably my top hero movie ever, and I would say Volume Two probably falls in like number eight, nine, or ten. <laughs> Wow, so that much of a difference, huh? Like, for example, I know everyone's going to shoot me and hate me. Like, the very beginning where they go after the, whatever, the battery acid-eating monster thing. Mm -hmm. And there's all that action happening in the background, but the camera focuses on Baby Groot dancing around the whole thing with occasional cuts to what's happening in the background. And it was funny, right? You know, like, you see Rocket Land, he's like, don't eat that! Slaps it and flies back. That, that was funny. But I think they focused too much on Baby Groot in the beginning. Like I was like, oh, okay, that's that's funny, it's cool. And then like they kept focusing on and walking around the thing. And I'm like, I, I actually want to see what's happening in the background because that's where I was more interested. I want to see like I want to see this cool fight that's about to happen with this alien that just burst through. Mm -hmm. And it was like Baby Groot dancing all for five minutes. And I was like, okay, I get it. Baby Groot is like what everyone loves. I got it. But shoving it in my face for the fir first five minutes was too much. So, okay, so I see what you're saying. So you you get that it was sort of a wink and a nod to the audience saying, oh, hey, yeah. this, this is this is what, you know, it's sort of a bit of a joke scene, but it went too far for you. Yeah, it was, it was just too long. long. It was just too long. That's all. I thought it did go long, too, but it didn't bother me. I was smiling the entire time. I, yeah, I really was. I enjoyed it. Like I said, it was it was definitely funny. And then Groot had his little his little fight with the bug or something. Wasn't it a little alien bug or something? Yeah. He had like a little... It's yeah. the same bugs from the Guardians of the Galaxy 1. Oh, at the opening scene that uh, Peter Quill kicks and uses as a microphone? Yeah, and they use it later. You remember when um, Drax is betting with Rocket? It's right when they're going to go see the Collector, and they're all waiting, and then the, the little bug 
bugs are running around on that board. Oh, okay. By oh, yeah, you're right. Yes. We could do a podcast on this movie alone. There are so many <laughs> scenes and interactions and characters. I guarantee you we're going to miss some amazing thing that happened in this movie. We, I apologize at a time. <laughs> I think this movie was awesome. I think it was better than the first one. There, I said it. Better than the first one. Yeah. Really? Yes. I, I loved Kurt Russell as Ego. I love that they reveal that Peter Quill's mom died because of him. Dude, that was actually a pretty emotional. I, I, I wasn't expecting that. That's what I was about to say. I mean, that was a heart-wrenching moment for me. Yeah. I was like, like picking up my jaw from the floor like, holy He's the reason, because that scene in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie was heart-wrenching. Like, yeah. when she's like, Peter, da 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 and then she... I was like, oh, damn! Like, yeah, it still, those, gets, it still gets me. The first three minutes of that movie, man. Yeah. Like, what are we watching here? But yes, when his eyes are sort of, when he's, uh, you know, he's, yeah. When his eyes are glazed over and they're black and he's sort of, you know, experiencing the universe. Yeah, experiencing the cosmos. And he sort of like comes to, comes back realizing that uh, Ego is the dude that killed his mom. I was like, oh, snap. This is where the the soundtrack changes tone. This is where yeah. the war drums come on, you know? Yep. And it did, man. That was a great movie. And it's, it's again, Guardians, much like Logan, uh, it, it has a lot of sentimental beats that I yes. don't expect, but they do so well, right? Aside from, from you know, Peter and Ego, there's, you know, the whole scene with Gamora and Nebula with Rocket and, um, oh my God. Yondu. Yes, yes, I'm sorry. With Rocket and Yondu, with Peter and Yondu, there are so many cool sentimental scenes and, and they're quick right they, i mean there are some scenes that go longer than others you know it's not milked throughout the, uh, the it's not they're not milked too long for you know, throughout yeah. the movie. they sort of hit you unexpectedly and then they jump on to the next thing but they're done really well i agree the the rocket and yondu part that was amazing yeah where he's was- like i only have like one of these left and he's like do it that and the scene where where Rocket's sort of having a meltdown, and he's like, "You know what? I'm just like you." Oof, that was a good. Scene. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. On the on the ship. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Oh man. So for me, it's it's hard to um, it's hard to really pick the one character that stole the movie because they all had their great moments, right? Drax killed it with his sort of <laughs> with his humor and Drax and, and Mantis was yes. Um, Yes, but I think for me, Yondu stole the movie for me, man. He's he is the first death in the MCU that I think really had an effect on 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 me. Anyways, you know what I mean? Where it was like, ah, I was hoping to see him in you know Infinity War and Volume Three and all these other movies, and they took they he he, he, yeah they took him away. Sucks. I don't know. Probably the most emotional scene is that scene uh, where you know Yondu's died. They bring him to the ship and they're doing their you know this is what we do on Earth. Blah blah blah. Say our farewells and then they do the um, I don't know what the, I don't I don't even know what that's called. Like basically they turn him to energy dust whatever. Mm-hmm. And then all the other uh, ravagers yeah, they all show up. Do the fireworks thing that killed me. Yeah, you know, normally I would think like a scene like that is really cheesy, and I would pick it apart. Uh, but it didn't bother me with Guardians. Yeah. I thought it was it was pretty freaking cool. Yeah, that scene is the equivalent to Peter Quill's mom for me. Yeah, they did. They I did saw it really well. I was like, oh god, here we go. Why is it so dusty? <laughs> 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 and I, I do also like the um, 
the fan service that they did with uh, oh, you know with, uh, with ego. Oh my with ego. God, man. You know, I, I, the planet. Oh. I, I wouldn't say it's the biggest and best scene in all of the MCU has been, oh pun intended, uh, Ant-Man going giant. Wasn't expecting that. It came out of left field as soon as, you know, and I've said this before, as soon as uh, Lang said that he's, you know, he has a trick up his sleeve, blah, blah, blah. He's got a big secret, whatever it was. I was like, what? I pricked up. Yeah. When I saw that shot of Ego, the planet Ego from, you know, from from a distance where you see the eyes and you see sort of has beard and stuff. I got super excited, man. Oh, yeah. I was like, they, they did it. They yeah. freaking did it. The, the 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 things that you think would not translate into a movie that just wouldn't make sense. The undoable things. MCU just keeps cranking them out. That and uh, Yandu's Mohawk as well, man. Like this, just these little things that just make me so happy. Uh, how they made My, it bigger yeah. when they put on his like big the big fin Mohawk. Yeah, I was like, oh, there it is. They did it. <laughs> I did like that scene in Guardians where uh, they have Groot to go fetch the uh, the Mohawk. <laughs> He's like, nope, that would be my underwear. <laughs> this is yeah. one of my favorite movies of 2017. I have four favorites, and they're Logan, Guardians, Wonder Woman, and Spider-Man. <laughs> the difference in these movies and these styles are the reason why we haven't hit that superhero oversaturation point that everybody's worried about. worried about everybody's yeah everybody's worried about this tipping point but these movies look how different logan is from guardians both based on co- superheroes right not just comic books or like indie comics or anything like these are based on goofy superhero characters and they're so different it's, it's amazing that like stories like uh guardians uh doctor strange Spider-Man, Civil War, all these movies all take place in the same world, man. They're so yeah. vastly different and so like unique in their own way. Everyone's like, oh, it's just a superhero movie. Yeah, you try to watch that Yondu scene without crying. You know yeah. what I mean? For these exactly. quote-unquote silly comic book movies, there is some seriously great character moments like we mentioned earlier you've seen guard the first guardians of the galaxy a lot dude <laughs> did you do you have a, a count on how many times you've seen the first guardians in the theater in the theater i honestly i think it was about eight <laughs> not even joking i saw it like eight times that's incredible man <laughs> <laughs> sort of to wrap up the guardians i i think the biggest um uh, you know besides the the story here um that was I, th- I thought it was really really well done. This movie was about the characters. I mean, you had the story with Nebula and um, and Gamora. and Gamora really surprised me. Right, they had the scene where they were sort of chase tracking each other down and to uh, kill each other. <laughs> yeah, and then Nebula <laughs> sort of turn. Yeah. yeah breaks down and and confesses to why she keeps trying to kill her. And it's very it's a very heartfelt you know sort of moment. A moment. And then, of course, Drax and Mantis, scene stealers, man. <laughs> they were. They were. Every time they were on the scene together, they were incredible. Besides The Rock, right? Besides uh, The Rock, there aren't many wrestlers that have come out of WWE that have had a successful acting career. Now, there are exceptions. But there, there, are, there have been wrestlers that have done movies. Like Hulk Hogan's in a ton of movies. Yeah. Randy Macho Man Savage, Roddy Roddy Piper, right? You have those guys. But yeah. to come out and be in a movie and 
not be, hey, that's Dave Bautista, the wrestler. No, he is Drax. He's Drax. He is Drax. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He did a really good job. And it's good to hear, like, even from the first Guardians, that he took this role very seriously. He took acting classes. He's killing it, man. He's the sense of humor in this movie and his scenes are awesome. And that's like a good point that you make that when wrestlers get into movies, uh, let's just take uh, Triple H. Triple H. Let's just take Triple H. Like when he shows up in Blade, I don't see him as another character other than Triple H with a vampire chihuahua. Yeah. No, he's not. Even, I mean? Yeah. He's, it's Triple H. It's Hunter Hurselmsley. When I see uh, Dave Bautista, I don't even see him. I see Drax. Like as soon as he shows up, he, he sells me as Drax. You know what I mean? Yeah. He just shows up and I'm like, oh, it's Drax. Not, oh, it's that wrestler dude all painted up in green and red. Amazing yeah. job. And, and you know, they were going to cast uh, Matthew McConaughey or they were looking at Matthew McConaughey being evil. Ego, but instead no, he did the no. Tower series. McConaughey, I think, would have done a pretty decent job, but I think Kurt Russell had the the look, the age. He looked like a sort of like, you know, an older, weathered, cosmic being. I think he, he, he played that role really well. Yeah, and especially when they show him like in the 80s with Peter Quill's mom. Like, yeah. he, he looks like Kurt Russell from freaking Tango and Cash. We're going to get Fubar now. What the hell is Fubar? You'll see. Yeah. You know what I mean? He looks exactly... He, fit perfectly both as the 80s and as the older being that you see later on. So I think also I had expectations for what I wanted to see in the second one. For example, what I really liked about the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie was the buddy system that they had with Rocket and Groot. Like, they were best friends, inseparable. And then in the second one, they're not. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're not. They hardly even seem like friends because Groot's like the baby. He's like always fighting with Drax. Like, if you watch him, he's like punching Drax in the leg and stuff like that. So I'm kind of bummed that they took away that best friend relationship between those two but then we get a best friend moment between rocket and yondu later but, but i always like those buddy things and they took yeah. that away from me well they put uh they changed it to be mantis and drax yeah yes uh, <laughs> a little bit right yeah. and i i thought i i like the take that um you know groot dying in the first movie and then this new baby groot is a whole separate a whole separate being right yeah. so it's not the Groot from the first guardian so I, I dig that take and then you know at the sort of the the stinger at the end of the movie with yeah uh, the teenage group. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I love that scene. And if you notice, okay, so Comic-Con just happened this last weekend and they released a poster for Infinity War. And yeah. if you can look this poster up online, it's sort of like a three-part giant poster. If you notice in the upper left-hand corner, you have a teenage group or what looks like a teenage group. It doesn't look like, obviously not the baby group yeah, and not the group from the first movie, the full sort of adult group, but it looks more like the... Uh, the younger group from the stinger so it that's an interesting choice we're gonna see sort of a maybe group meets peter parker type character you know yeah. what i mean still making yeah. mistakes sort of hot-headed um that's gonna be an interesting take on yep. our group. three different versions of group. this is a tree we're watching a tree grow <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I like the direction they're going with Groot. I, I i get though that they broke up the uh the buddies yeah but Groot sacrificed himself in the first movie so okay any other uh thoughts on guardians too no i mean the only thing i would add is i think my my main complaints with the movie are very trivial right if they had trimmed some of these scenes down i would have probably liked it more because i felt like the, there were times where i thought the pacing was being lost how many baby groots would you rate it how about zero three so i'd give it to two baby groots baby groot teenage groot and adult groot you would give it a teenage groot <laughs> i'd give it a teenage groot i would i would give it a uh full adult groot uh, 
three out of three. I loved this movie. Like I said, I loved it better than the first ones. I can't argue against what you were saying about making those scenes shorter. I absolutely agree that it would uh, improve. It definitely wouldn't hurt to cut some of those scenes down a little bit. So I, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and argue that they're, they're just right or they, they could be longer. You're right. They, they could be cut, cut down, but it didn't bother me. It didn't right. bother me at all. All right. So switching, switching religions a little bit here. <laughs> we are introduced to the first official entry from DC Warner Brothers into the uh, the comic book movie fray, Wonder Woman. And that was a very tongue-in-cheek introduction because the other movies have not been very good and have not done well critically. Although they've done okay in the box office, they were just sort of felt rushed. Blah, blah, blah. We're not going to get into that because we finally got our first kick DC slash Warner Brothers movie, and it is Wonder Woman. Yes. All right, man. Tell me, what did you think of Wonder Woman? With the previous history that we said we won't talk about with the Superman movies and then the Batman versus Superman, I honestly went in, like, I saw the Wonder Woman trailers, and I was like, don't do it. Don't feel hopeful. They're just going to sucker you. They always do good with trailers. So I kind of went in with low expectations and came out with my mind blown. If I were to rank all of my superhero movies, I would say Wonder Woman ranks up in there, probably in my top five. That is a tough conversation to have. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, the the problems that I had with it are very nitpicky, but for me, it's hard to sort of sort of uh, pierce like the Civil War, the Guardians of the Galaxy, the first Avengers movie. Like you, this movie better be firing on all cylinders, which it came pretty close to that. I, it definitely cracks my top ten, but I don't know if it'll crack my like top five or top three. Yeah. And, and that's and that's that's I don't want to. I don't want that to sound disparaging because it was a very well done movie. And again, the theme here is, is that it was a good movie as well as a good superhero movie. Yes. Gal Gadot was amazing in this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She killed it. Her and Chris Pine, uh, the, the, the chemistry they had together was really well done. They had a it's lot of amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny. It was awkward. Um, it was exactly how you would expect someone that's been disconnected from like reality living on an island on their own separate <laughs> island their entire life right like that's uh, she played that part off really well and Chris Pine is awesome also so I mean from start to finish I think I only have one stupid trivial complaint about the movie I, yeah, there wouldn't be it's not a superhero movie if you didn't have a trivial complaint about it uh, right because I trivial <laughs> complain everything but this one <laughs> This one is so stupid and trivial. It's it doesn't even like hamper the movie. It was, I just thought it was an odd moment of when Wonder Woman defeats uh, Ares at the very end. You know, all the Germans who were under Ares' control are suddenly free from his control, and they get up and they start hugging each other. And to me, I was like, yeah, you know, 15 minutes ago, you just gas bombed an entire village <laughs> and killed everyone, so you're still kind of guilty. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, you're still kind of like murderous people. Like I said, this is just one of those things where if I had a chance to edit it, I would have had just as Gail Gadot is defeating Ares, like, you know, the American army and British army all show up around the Germans, you know, and they just hold their hands up. You know what I mean? Like they, they realize yeah. what's happening, but they hold their hands up. So, you know that, OK, these guys are going to be punished for what they just did because the impression you get is like, oh, they're all free. So cool. Like, I'm not held accountable for the 
300 people I just gassed and killed <laughs> in a village. Okay, how about you have them come to and have them realize what they've done and maybe like show some remorse, break down yeah. crying or just kind of crumple, you know what I mean? Like yeah. have them all crumple over. That's the that's like I said that's probably the only part I really had a problem with. Uh, and the other thing is there's that sniper guy that's with the team and they're like, "Oh, he's the best sniper. He's the best sniper." But we never get to see him do anything. Like all the other dudes on the team kind of got a moment to shine like oh you know i'm more than this i'm also a singer they all had kind of like a moment to do something except for the sniper guy i wonder if they cut his scene out or if they just i don't know just never wrote it in because he had that moment where he choked right he, yeah. he couldn't yep. do it couldn't do and it. you feel like that sort of sets him up for his like the he real moment nice. where he just goes nuts and snipes everybody i thought there was <laughs> going to be a moment like where he just does something at the last minute and saves the day or whatever or that they show why he chokes like maybe he went to snipe like some guy and like a kid stepped in the way and he sniped the kid on accident and he's not been able to be sure of himself ever since then like what if someone steps in the way of my shot so you know what i think they were they were going for here and i won't go off on you know too much of a tangent here but have you ever seen the magnificent seven uh i have not and i want to there's a character who is a he's a sharpshooter and he's on the magnificent seven i won't get too much into this spoilers here but he's supposed to be like their sharpshooter but he chokes similar to the guy in wonder woman right and uh then there's a scene where you know, the other guys in the the other guys in the gang sort of notice this chris pratt's in this movie and he notices this and he gives him the squinty eyed look like are you really good or are you chicken you know what i mean it doesn't yeah. come up again until he's training uh the village to defend themselves and he's sort of giving them marksman classes this guy who's like i think he's an ex-confederate soldier general or something and uh you know he's he's giving these all these villagers a hard time telling them you know you gotta shoot like this you gotta breathe like this you, you guys are doing it all wrong and then one of the guys in the Magnificent Seven says, hey, you know who he tells the villagers? We have one of the best marksmen in the Confederacy, whatever. I'm totally blowing the the, the dialogue here. <laughs> and he's putting him on the spot, right, to see if, in fact, he is who he says he is. He is. You know, he takes the rifle. He sort of hesitates. He's, you know, you can see he's sort of shaky. And, uh, you know, he aims at the target. And it's, very, it's a very, sort of a little bit of a drawn-out scene. And then he just unloads. Blah, 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 blah. And hits the same target in the bullseye over and over and over. Like he empties his chamber and he proves himself that he is that person. Right. right. And then and then later on it goes into the story where like he's he sort of regrets being this person and he doesn't want to go back to that. And it's explained why he sort of chokes. Right. In the Wonder Woman movie, we don't get that from our sniper. Well, yeah, we don't. <laughs> he just sort he of just chokes. Those are literally the only two complaints. The rest of the movie, I was literally like edged on my seat, just leaning forward watching the movie because I was like, oh, this is awesome. Oh, she goes through that tower, the building with her shield. I was like, oh, oh my God. Like there was so much done right. Dude, the fighting scenes in this were so good. And I, I, I know it's like some people complain online that a, a lot of those like slow motion action scenes were a little overdone, but I liked them. Wonder Woman felt like she was a friggin' beast. Yep. I think the action was really well done. She had the scene where she crosses no man's land, right? I was just about to talk about that. That was actually oh. emotional to me. You know what I mean? She gets up there and she's like stepping forward. You know, bullets are hitting her shield. She's stepping forward and bullets are hitting her shield. She's stepping. I was like, dude, that's amazing. She stole Superman's scene. scene. Superman's yeah. That was a Superman scene and uh, Superman never pulled it off in his movies. Nope. Right? Wonder Woman. He was Woman too busy tearing down buildings. 
things or, or listening to Pa Ken. Because yeah. <laughs> in, in this scene, it was very similar to that, right? Like the yeah. soldiers and Chris Pine and everybody were telling her, you can't go out there. You can't do this. You got to stay hidden. And she was like, no, I didn't come here to hide. I came here to fight. So she throws off her cloak. She grabs her shield, grabs her sword, and just like faces the odds, you know, are not in her favor. She, there's a wall of bullets coming at her and she just marches on through. And I thought that was an amazing scene. And, and immediately I thought, there it is, DC slash Warner Brothers. There's a scene that you should have had in your very first Superman movie that we had to wait like five movies to get. <laughs> a woman facing like unseen enemies and marching forward. Oh, so good. So, you know, some of the the biggest complaints uh from fans recently have been the you know the the representation of women in these movies right and uh, you know we've all heard the you know the even with the avengers like when the toys come out there's no black widow toys there's no toys for girls to play with right and this is a wonder woman movie uh directed by patty jenkins a female director and it's outselling all the other movies direct, uh, domestically so far. Uh, DC and, Mar- and uh, Warner Brothers definitely beat Marvel to the uh, the punch on this one. So props yeah. to DC and Warner Brothers, man. And what I think is awesome is all those people who lacked faith or hated the idea of Gal Gadot doing Wonder Woman, this movie should shut their face. You don't hear anything about it anymore, huh? Yeah. Remember, remember when they cast her? Uh, oh, yeah, even everyone, when she came she's out. She's too yeah. skinny. Her yeah. aren't big enough. Whatever. Yeah. She nailed yeah. it. Shut she, all your face. <laughs> absolutely nailed it so you mentioned your sort of nitpicky thing in the movie i had a couple of nitpicky things as well that i, I thought were just interesting choices right the soldiers coming back and and hugging at the end of the movie <laughs> i thought i i'll come out and say it i think that was a bad choice <laughs> yep. uh, but there were some choices that weren't necessarily bad but were interesting for example Ares the god of war i liked that it was the sort of the british uh politician guy i think he was either politician or general whatever yeah 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 uh, but i thought it was an interesting choice that even when he was Ares, he looked exactly the same he still had that mustache he still uh, had the uh, sideburns right I, I honestly thought he would have like morphed or transformed into like you know a demon god you know what i mean like but he was literally still like the gray haired gray mustache little british dude just yoked what's interesting is on the wonder woman new 52 aries comes to her not as not like so much as a villain but he is an old man and wonder woman uh they end up fighting and she ends up killing him and she becomes the goddess of war but in new 52 he was actually an old man again it it wasn't necessarily like a bad choice or anything like that i just thought it was like oh here i was expecting him to like morph into more of like a greek god yeah. type figure nah old british dude <laughs> You didn't want to give up his disguise. (laughs) A few other things. All of these things are all at the end of the movie, right? It's like the last 15 minutes of the movie. Um, I thought it was surprising, even though it it wasn't bad, when she originally thought that the German scientist was the uh was Ares. Ares. Yeah. And she straight up stabs and kills him. And I was like, whew. And I know DC Comics has traditionally been a little darker in in books. Yeah. And in the movies as well, I thought that was a, a crazy scene where she just stabs him with her sword and then is upset to realize that she just killed a dude and it wasn't Ares. Yeah. <laughs> like, granted, there wasn't like dripping blood or anything like that, but I just thought it was a sort of a non-heroic moment. Yeah, I thought that was a cool scene where she was so obsessed with like trying to find and kill Ares and being so certain of herself 
that she kind of made a mistake. Like I said, it didn't bother me. I just thought it was an interesting scene. And then finally, for me, the last nitpicky thing was in the last fight scene where she's fighting Ares and sort of getting her handed to her she channels electricity and uh, we have a new power set well, what happened there it could have been done better but it's 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 a great movie i recommend it um i know my daughters loved it how, how many golden lassos would you give this how many Out golden of lassos of truth yeah um i would give it nine. the truth nine yeah i would yeah. give it a ten all right so next we're gonna swing into action with <laughs> we're gonna swing into action with spider-man homecoming you start this time yeah i think i've so, started every time <laughs> yeah i feel like i talk a lot <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh spider-man part six is it part six now one two three four five yeah part six yeah, sure. <laughs> Part six, Spider-Man, the reboot, three, two, <laughs> the second reboot. So I thought this movie was, I mean, whatever, amazing, spectacular, superior. It was all these things. And for me, what they got right was what I've been complaining about the, you know, with all the previous movies. Small scale Spider-Man movie, right? Let's start with that. Spider-Man isn't saving the world. Spider-Man is saving New York. Yep. He's saving Queens. I loved that they went so sort of smaller scale they scaled it back a little bit with spider-man he has the best intentions in the world but he keeps screwing up this is he's obsessed with being a superhero he wants to be a superhero he wants to do his best he wants to impress tony stark spider-man 2 for the longest was my favorite movie because it was closest to the comics but i think spider-man homecoming now is my favorite spider-man movie easily for me this is probably my favorite spider-man movie so i think with homecoming they actually got it both peter parker and spider-man right i wonder if spider-man was the first person to do selfies oh he probably was because he always took pictures of himself as spider-man yeah guaranteed let's talk about some of the uh the points in this movie man first of all the opening is awesome peter parker's doing his video journal and he's interacting with happy by the way props to happy it was cool to see happy back in the movies a nice yeah. little homecoming so the journal is spider-man sort of uh video journal uh meeting with happy hogan getting his costume you know getting the new costume jumping into the civil war he is such a goofy excited high energy peter parker and it fits so well and it's such a great introduction into like you know doing what marvel does tying everything together i thought it was brilliant the and it's this has been all the spider-man movies the only thing i don't like is when they did show him it's only a few scenes where you see him like swinging through the city like he looks like a little piece of red elastic like his body isn't moving like a body i was just watching it's that new tarzan movie with the dude from true blood it might even be just called tarzan whatever it is yeah and they show him swinging on a vine and i was like ah that's how they should do peter parker when he swings like his body doesn't look like elastic you know they do a close-up it looks like his body maintains the same you know consistency yeah but it did nothing to break me out of the movie i just thought ah, yeah they still haven't got that part right you know yeah i agree with you when he's swinging around it looks strange can we talk about michael keaton and then what i love is when he puts on the costume he still has that fur thing around his neck like the vulture does in the comic and i was like that's a nice touch they updated yeah. his costume but they still kept a part of it with that little fur piece around his neck he wears the uh the aviator jacket which just it makes sense i, I think we had the same concern with the vulture being too high techy. think yeah. green goblin in spider-man yep. one where he's just like i have this armor with this goblin mask why did they make a goblin mask for this armor <laughs> who knows yeah whatever uh, whatever <laughs> yeah and then still going with vulture that scene where he's driving peter and his and oh. Well, well, let me take a step back. When Peter goes to pick up the girl, 
that he's going to take to prom and he opens the door my jaw hit the floor i was like oh like i i couldn't figure out like did he know that peter was coming here and then he's like oh you're taking my daughter out and i went oh snap dude and then that that <laughs> car ride where where they're talking and he vulture is piecing together hey wait a minute this peter parker guy might be spider-man that car ride was intense so when he was being uh dropped off at liz's house in my mind i was thinking classic movie scene vulture is gonna have liz and her family tied up and peter parker they're gonna go into a fight like i i was like i i could see it a mile away like this so this is gonna be stupid and he opens a door and it's liz's it's her dad it's her dad oh oh, man i was like nice writing i was going the the stupid hokey hollywood route even though like i sort of saw it coming it still blew me away and and props to uh tom holland man that that scene in her house when they're getting ready to go to prom and he can't take his eyes off of vulture so good that whole scene is so intense tom holland sold the like um how do i even handle this i'm just a kid this is the dude that i've been chasing this is the dude that is trying to kill me and he really sells that 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 anxiety so well dude i was anxious that entire scene i hate it when they kill villains because then you stop yourself from being able to use that villain in sequels and it it, it bums me out right there's no need just lock him up so the scene with the shocker and michael keaton's pissed at the shocker and he grabs the the gun that he thought was the anti-gravity gun or something and just fries him and immediately i thought ah dude and then he dusts off the power glove and gives it to the other guy and he goes that you're the shocker now and i was i was worried because like the first shocker the one that he incinerates even had like the sleeves like the shocker yeah. that like crisscrossing sleeve pattern thing but that dude later on puts on the same thing the same kind of jacket i don't know if that helps with like the vibrating thing uh-huh. but i was like oh cool so he put on the same sleeves i was happy yeah. when he, he came out with the yellow sleeves as well i was like oh cool you know the the, the glove that he wears that was uh, crossbones's glove right i didn't know that so they even mentioned picking it up in uh what was is not wakovia yeah it was wakovia right wakovia Wakovia. Wakovia. you're right you're right you're right yep you caught the um the scorpion at the end too right oh yeah at the very end in in the jail scene Yeah. yeah i honestly think that once the avengers infinity war sort of wraps up i think that they're going to shift gears and this is my prediction here in the ultimate spiders around uh, spider-man around the same run spider-man was meeting these villains they all banded together of course became the sinister six right and spider-man was overwhelmed and eventually had to call in the avengers to assist them and it ended up in a big crossover so my prediction is that that's going to be the next um, pseudo Avengers movies, much like Civil War was. We're going to have a Spider-Man Sinister Six, Six. starring cool. various Avengers versus the Sinister Six. So that's that's I said it here. Um, I haven't seen that sort of brought up in the on the internet, but I'm calling it. We have the Vulture. He's still very much locked up and um, uh, around. We have the Shocker too, right? The Tinker is still out there. Uh, we have Scorpion yep. makes four. Uh, so we have potentially, f- I, I mean, I honestly don't think the Tinker will be a, um, a sinister six, nah. maybe even not, not, not even the shocker. 
I, I would be surprised if he actually became a Sinister Six uh, character. So who who are we missing here? Of course, the Green Goblin. Yeah. Or, or Hobgoblin could be a potential character. Uh, Dr. Octopus would be friggin' cool. Right. The Lizard. Lizard is who I imagine we're going to see soon. Like, if Peter goes to college, I wonder if the Lizard is going to... Well, that could be... Yeah, but I wonder if that'd be too similar to the other movie because that's exactly what happened in the other movie. Are they going to do characters that we haven't seen yet? We just recently had a Sandman, uh, a you know, lizard, uh, Venom. We've recently had all these characters. I think out of that whole uh, Rogues Gallery, they're going to do the solo Venom movie, so we know he's going to be out there. Sony's going to do that. You know who I'd like to see, and it'd keep it kind of small, not big scale, is Craven. What? bugs me about Craven the Hunter is that they always uh, give him this sort of like big mulleted outback mustache kind of a <laughs> vibe to him and, yeah. and I and I get that's his look but like I can't get around that hopefully maybe see a Mysterio Mysterio would be cool yeah or um, Beetle for really? Sinister Six yeah a dude in armor who goes around robbing banks <laughs> that totally yeah that that would fit right in I'll give you the ultimate low key character that would uh, that would blow people's minds like if I were at Marvel and if I were you know in, in any sort of creative control I would put my career and my name and everything on the line and I would say bring in Wilson Fisk from the Netflix series. Don't announce it. Don't put it in the trailer. You know it'd be a cool trailer? Like the final trailer before the movie. Like they do all the snazzy stuff. And at the very end of the trailer just show like a hand twitching in front of a photo. You know like oh. remember in, in the Daredevil scene where he's standing in front of the picture and his hand twitches a little bit? Yeah. Dude that'd be dope. That would be dope. Because then it's just a hand and you're like whose hand is it? And then if you recognize the picture you get the reference yes anyways do we went off on a wild tangent here <laughs> <laughs> again another one of the big gripes that i had and a lot of people had was the origin story right everybody hmm. knows <laughs> just like batman just like batman everybody knows spider-man's origin we don't need to see uh, uncle ben get killed for the umpteenth time what i did like uh where his best friends like oh, i wonder what would happen if i would have got bit by the spider and he's like hey the spider's dead and that's as far as they go with the origin. Yeah, that, that was that was a nice little nod. One of the things that they uh, that they did also that I liked is I, I don't know if you ever watched the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. I did not. I, I I did, and I thought it was very well done, very well animated. The stories were awesome. The you know the voice acting was great. And in that show, uh, he's sort of picked up by Shield. He's and they give him tech, much like Tony Stark. Oh uh, yeah. Tony Stark is allowing him to do his thing. He gives him some tech, gives him a little bit of help. So they sort of supplement Spider-Man learning how to use his powers with Spider-Man learning how to use his suit. And he's seeing all these like different settings that his suit has, which I thought was <laughs> that funny was really and well funny. Done. Lethal mode on. No, no, no. Lethal mode off. <laughs> <laughs> And, and and the tech allows him to do all the cool stuff with his webs. Yeah. This movie was incredibly diverse. This is one of the most diverse like superhero movies. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And it, and it totally makes sense because they're in New York. So there's going to be a lot of different shades of people. colors and backgrounds and people. And I know there was a lot of drama with Mary Jane not being Mary, Mary Jane. Jane. MJ being uh, Zendaya and her name being Michelle. What was it? Johnson. Whatever it was. Uh, I, I'm totally okay with that. They they did like the love interests really well. It wasn't like an overwhelming superhero love interest. It, it didn't it didn't overpower the movie, which I thought was great. Yeah, I love this movie. I think they fixed 
everything that I had a problem with in the other movies. I, I think that this killed it. This is uh, my favorite Spider-Man movie now. It, it was done perfectly. So out of 10 web slingers, how many would you give it? 10. 10? Yeah. Same here. Yeah. My top whatever number is, is way too overcrowded. Yeah. You have more than 10 in your top 10. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What's funny is like when I first came out of seeing Spider-Man Homecoming, I wasn't like entirely sold for some reason. I came out, I was like, ah, you know, it was it was entertaining. It was kind of, it was all right. But like the more I've talked about it with people, the more I've actually liked it. On a sort of like a, a, a down note and a side note, uh, Gambit is being reworked. <laughs> is it? Tatum is still attached to it, though, from still what I understand. Still attached to it. As of July 21st, 2017, Channing announced that they're rethinking Gambit yet again, right? Because Deadpool as an R was successful. Logan as an R was successful. I can see them going in that direction. I mean, I, my hopes are way down for this movie. All right, man. So we don't just talk about movies, right? Sometimes we actually do talk about comic the books. Comic books. The Gambit thing is a perfect transition. <laughs> yes. yes. You know what's funny, though, is that we said we would talk about 15 minutes for each movie. We don't want to talk like for an hour on the first one and then have to like rush the other one. So we did the opposite. Yeah. Talk 15 minutes for the first three and then spend an hour on the last one. <laughs> But we'll just make this real quick because there's also like the X-Men, the X's list. So I just want to go over real quick um, that Marvel recently gave love back to the X-Men books. And they've launched X-Men Blue, X-Men Gold, uh, Astonishing X-Men just came out, Cable, Weapon X... Iceman solo and a Jean Grey solo. And there's a Generation X. So X-Men Blue is basically the teenage version of the X-Men brought to the present. It's a concept that I absolutely hate, but I knew as soon as they attached Colin Bunn to it, I was like, I'm going to pick it up and read it because it's Colin Bunn and that dude knows how to write. So the characters are actually pretty awesome in the book. (laughs) Does that piss you off? Yeah, it upsets me that I like it. Like, yeah, I want to hate it, but Colin Bunn is such a good writer. And I knew this was going to happen. I was like, this dude is going to make me like these characters. Like, I still hate the concept that they are around, yeah. but he's, he's making me enjoy the stories because he, he is knocking out of, out of the park every single issue. And it's funny because, like, the juggernaut's, like, fighting him, and, and they, these X-Men have never fought Juggernaut yet. So, like, there's this whole dialogue where Juggernaut's like, why do you act like you've never fought me before? You know, like, <laughs> what is wrong with you guys? So it's kind of funny that he he is playing up on that but um x-men blue has been really good the only other odd thing is that james howlett from yeah yeah wolverine son he's now a part of x-men blue you gotta have a wolverine man i mean like i'll, I'll write your x-men comic but you gotta give me a wolverine i don't even oh, care which a wolverine one. yeah I'm going to switch over to X-Men Gold. My uh, my problem with X-Men Gold has always been like every issue they bring in like villains to basically job them. So they're there for like two pages just to show how bad the X-Men are. X-Men Gold is Kitty, Nightcrawler, um, Rachel Summers, who has a new name that I can't remember. Uh, it's Old Man Wolverine, Colossus, and Storm. So they keep bringing in these villains almost every single issue to just basically job them. Like the Serpent Society shows up and the X-Men job them. Cool. Serpent Society is kind of like a C-rate villain team, right? Yeah. That's not a problem. But they brought in Blastar, who's taken on the Fantastic Four. He was the king of freaking, what is that space? The Negative Zone? He was like the king of the Negative Zone. Like, dude's a major threat. And they took him out in two pages. And I was like, oh, come on. But the last couple of issues, they've um, focused on these new Sentinel nanite things Mm -hmm. where their main... their main mission is to look for any sort of mutation in humans. And this includes people who are blind, people who um, 
have, have cancer, any type of different mutation that they don't register as normal, they suddenly go out and start killing. So the X-Men are forced to get together to try to stop him. But like I said, like Old Man Wolverine's in that book. So then if you go to Astonishing X-Men, guess who's in that book? Old Man Logan. Yeah. Oh, Old Man Logan, really? Old Man Logan, yeah. So he's in that book also, as well as Gambit appears and written very well. Um, Psylocke. Rogue, Phantom X, who I don't care about, Mystique, Bishop, and Archangel. That's like a huge team. <laughs> yeah, that's a good team. That's like a 90s team right there. <laughs> so it's funny that Old Man Logan is in this book as well. And then if you go to Weapon X, it's Old Man Logan, Sabretooth, uh, Warpath, and Domino so far. Which um, Weapon X was good, but the last couple of issues have been questionable. Then we have Cable, which has not been good. And then Jean Grey and Iceman also have their own solo series, which I'm not picking up. I'm not I'm not big on solo books unless they have like a, a, a big cast around them. Like Thor always had like the Warriors 3, Sif, Odin. He had all these characters always around him. So. Yeah, the solo titles are always like hit and miss. But my problem is with Jean Grey, they've already said they're going to explore the whole Phoenix story with her. And I'm like, it's already been done. It's already been done like a thousand times. We don't, <laughs> we don't need to see Teen Gene with the Phoenix Force now. The other X-Men book that they release is Generation X. The only appealing character to me is Jubilee. So this is round... I don't even know what round this is anymore. Uh, it's like four? round two. I think, yeah, I think round four now. All right. Of our... Uh... What was it? The our favorite X's, our our list of X's, or something like that. X's. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, so we are now into the um the two thousands, right? Yes. The, yep. uh, the the generation of X Men that were in the two thousands. So just to kind of go over the the premise of our list here, we've broken these down into um, three categories: costume, powers, and then overall. And we've given them a scale of uh, one to ten. We've gone through the original class, the 80s X-Men, the 90s X-Men, and then now we're moving on to the um, to the 2000s. So in order to understand, you have to listen to all the podcasts that talk about this. Because what we did is we took all these X-Men in one sheet and we gave a scale of only 10 characters could have a score of 10, only 9 characters could have a score of 9, 8 characters could have a score of 8, so on, so on, so on. And then everyone else would get a score of 1. So you're going to hear us giving scores of maybe like a 1 or a 2, but but that might be because we ran out of like the 10s and the 9s and the 8s. So you kind of have to listen to all the previous podcasts as well. Because it's not just this category. It's like all of the X-Men combined. So I just wanted yep. to cover that before someone's like, what? Why did you give this person such a low score? It's probably because I had my high scores in other parts. So you kind of have to listen to all the podcasts at comicreliefpodcast.com to catch up on all of the uh all of the stuff that we've done with this. I, I hate to sound so disparaging, <laughs> but this is where the 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 graph starts going down for me. A down. There are a few that are awesome, that are amazing, but then we have a bunch that are not. So this is like, we're riding the, the high peak of the 90s X-Men fame, right? Where they were just like rocking the comic book world. Every new character was a mutant. Every new villain, every new, you know what I mean? New series had had some sort of mutant ties to it. Back in the 90s, man, going into the 2000s, it was all mutants all the time. All right, man. So so go ahead and kick us off here. Um, Thunderbird 2, uh, who was the um, Neil uh, Shara um, for his costume. I gave him a one for his powers i gave him a one and for an overall i gave him a one <laughs> like there's absolutely nothing memorable about this character to me 
it's a very tricky thing to have a second iteration of a character, sort of a character taking over the mantle for another character. Sometimes it works, right? Sometimes it's fine. Like sometimes it's sort of built into it, right? Like the different Robins and stuff that works fine. But then uh, you have a character that just takes the name and it doesn't really work. I agree. And this is one of them. I also gave him ones across the board. We'll just keep it at that. <laughs> we'll just move on. Let's see. Next, we have Cable, the big gun tootin', big shoulder guy, don't show his ankles guy. First costume, I gave him a five. It's, I mean, it was kind of nothing to it. It was just a lot of guns. Uh, powers, I gave him a seven. Do it. He had like the metal arm, the metal leg. He was ravaged by the, uh, what was it, the legacy virus? Technovirus. The technovirus. Yeah. Okay. Legacy okay. virus was the one that kills him. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I'm sorry. Continue, continue. But yeah, I mean, he had all that, but it was a little like too much going on, right? Like he had the metal arm and then all these big shoulder pads and then he had the big gun. It was like a little too much. It was like sensory overload. So I just gave him like a five. It, it wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It was five. And then I liked his power set. And overall, I gave him a six. You have to admit, that's kind of high scores for a guy who frequently professes his hatred of uh, Cable. Yeah, that, I'm actually surprised that you gave him such a high that it's in like the, the positive range. So for his original costume, I I gave him a nine. I'm not the biggest cable fan. Like I, I'm not. I'm I, I, I'd be lying if I said I was the biggest cable fan. Uh, but I thought his look was really cool with the metal arm, the one shoulder pad. He's sort of like an older soldier with you know with the silver gray hair and the, the glowing yeah. eye. And he has a ton of weapons and a ton of pouches. And he he definitely epitomizes the the, the 90s for me. So I do like his look. He's, he has a cool look. Uh, character is sort of all over the place for me. That's a whole other conversation. Uh, his power <laughs> set, I gave him a six. I mean, I I, I, never, I don't think I ever really understood his, his power set. So his power set is telekinetic. Telekinesis, right? Telekinesis, yeah. I mean, that's it. Like, all the yep. other time slipping and all that stuff, that's all tech. It's all tech. But I, I rolled that into powers. Because telekinesis, there's a, a dozen other characters that use telekinesis, but I like the time traveling aspect to his his character. And yeah. um, overall, I gave him an 8. Like I said, I'm not a huge fan of Cable, but I do appreciate that he is a he is like an iconic X-Men. He really is. Next down the list, we go to the Native American Mirage slash Moonstar, commonly known from the New Mutants. Uh, for her, I gave her a nine on her costume. I dug, and this is based on her original costume, like when she was in the New Mutants. Yeah. I dug that she did the yellow and black, but then she had like the Native American boots with the tassels and stuff like that. Yeah. And she had like the braids in her hair. I, I love that costume. Like, it was cool. She took that classic X-Men costume that's really hard to stand out and did something cool with it. And then for her powers, I gave an eight. Like, and this is based off her original power. Um, the ability to pull someone's fear out of their head and create like an illusion out of it. Love that idea. But then what happens is my overall, she drops down to a three because she ends up gaining as guardian powers through a storyline with the X-Men New Mutants. She becomes like a Valkyrie. She has a freaking Valkyrie horse. Yeah, that's kind of a weird uh, turn. Yeah, and then she starts being able to see when people die, which is all right. That's kind of cool because that kind of ties in with someone's fear. But then they make her lose her power later. She loses her mutant ability loses her Valkyrie powers, and now she's just a chick with a bow and arrow. Yeah, she's depowered. You know, instead of going Valkyrie, why don't they just go like some with some like Native American lore? I know. When they turned her into a Valkyrie, they totally stepped away from like all 
her Native American story. She became a Valkyrie. Like there was nothing yeah. Native American about her anymore. I gave her a one for the costume. She's never been one of my favorite characters. Her powers are also, I also gave her a one. I wasn't sure what her power set was anymore. And uh, yeah. she doesn't have one. I, I do like the manifesting of, you know, your worst fears. I think that's pretty cool. I thought that was a unique take on basically telepathy, right? It's a very limited but unique form of telepathy. Anyway, carry on. I gave her a two overall. Um, I know you have a soft spot for uh, Native American. Native American, yeah. Yeah, uh, characters. Um, she, Mirage has just never really um, caught my attention. Next, we move to Sage, who was formerly a part of the Hellfire Club, later on became the X-Men's like living computer type thing. Uh, I give her a one, one, and a one. There is absolutely nothing I like about Sage. She was better off with the Hellfire Club. I read the entire Extreme X-Men run, and I enjoyed it, but I can't tell you a single Sage story slash scene moment. or yeah. moment. Or, I, I really can't. And then next, moving on from the Hellfire Club, we go to the White Queen, who, for costume, you would think I'd give her a 10, right? Because it's it's a chick with really big uh, upper area. Wearing barely a costume. But I gave her a 5 because, you know, literally, there's not much to her costume. And while that is cool to visually stare at, um, there wasn't much to it, so I gave it a 5. But for her powers, I gave her a 7 because she is a very strong telepath. And then overall, I gave her a 6. If she was still in the Hellfire Club, I'd have probably given her a 10. But when she became a hero and became Scott's new um, bedside partner, yeah. it went down for me. I, I don't like her being a like a good guy, especially like it's it's just she seems so out of place being like the um, uh, the dean at a school for gifted youngsters with all these children, and she's walking around with like a bathing suit, camel toe, and a corset. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, dude, it's, it's weird. It's out of place. It doesn't fit right. Like she didn't even like you know she doesn't even cover up. And but, with that being said, for costume i gave her a 10 <laughs> that's like the pervy nine-year-old in me giving her a 10 for a costume she she did have students the hellions who were mm-hmm. all killed by uh trevor fritzoy i think is how it's pronounced the dude yeah, that bishop was always chasing around yep um so when she was in generation x you remember she was there with banshee right and so when i was collecting gen x i was like okay she's gonna do something to be you know to flip she's gonna turn heel right mm-hmm. i always thought that's why white queen and banshee were both co-teaching i thought it was a setup that she was going to turn heel and then Banshee would eventually just be the only teacher there. Yeah. But then that never happened. So anyways, overall I gave her an 8. I Oh no, her powers, I gave her an 8. I thought it was cool that she turns into Diamond. <laughs> sort of. Uh, you like the secondary mutation? Yeah, yeah, I'm okay yeah. with that. And overall I gave her an 8. I, I do like the White Queen character, but I like her more as a villain. I wish there would have been some sort of a payoff that this whole time she was with the X-Men, she was really like working them. Working them. We next go to Zorn, who is working with the White Queen, and he is next on our list. For me, I gave Zorn one, 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 one. There is literally nothing I like about Zorn. Really? I hate that there was a Zorn, but then it was actually a Magneto, but then it wasn't Magneto. There's actually another Zorn that is actually Zorn, and then Zorn has like a twin brother who's like Zorn also. His whole story is a train wreck. I gave him a nine for a costume. An eight for powers, but an overall four. So a nine for costume. I'm going off the pre-Magneto Zorn, and he has a star in his head, and he's got the metal casing, and and I thought this dude was friggin' awesome. Oh my god! I like his look. I like that look. Like I like that look. I like that story. I gave him a four overall. So he like peaks in costume. He was an awesome costume. He peaks in powers. <laughs> awesome powers. Overall four because of all the. 
that they did afterwards. They, yeah. they, they basically threw him away. From Zorn, we go from the chamber in his head to the actual character chamber. There is a smooth transition. There is a smooth transition. I just had to think about <laughs> it after a second. Uh, for his costume, I gave him a 7. Uh, it was kind of cool that he had this big hole in his chest kind of thing. Uh, for his power, I gave him a 1, though. I'm not even entirely sure I understand his power, other than he like shoots flames out of his mouth. I don't know. I don't even know if he does that. I can't even remember. For overall, I gave him a 5. Really? Oh, man. I effing loved Chamber in the in the same vein that I loved uh, Zorn for his costume. I gave him a ten. He seemed to me like a cool sort of like a I know he was British, but sort of like a James Dean kind of a cool dude, leather jacket. He already had that going for him, and then his chest exploded, and he was just <laughs> like a walking furnace. It's unique. He is very underrated in his look. I I think he's up there. And I'm, I'm going to sort of uh, might be crossing the line here, but up there with like Ghost Rider. Oh, all right. I thought you were going to say Adam X. <laughs> <laughs> Had to ring him up at least once in this podcast. At least once. <laughs> and his powers, I gave a nine. Overall, um, he gets uh, an eight for me. I, I really like Chamber. See, I would have called him like Heartburn or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so next, uh, uh, probably one of the worst characters for me even worse than morrow we have stacy x or sometimes known as ecstasy i gave yeah. her one 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 she's gross yeah she is gross i gave her a one 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 and i, th- I think that's the um i want to say that's sort of the intention with her right because she was scaly she was, she was a yeah. lizard yeah she was a scaly who she could use her pheromones to attract men and then she was a hooker she was able to read you through your pheromones right so whatever you were sort of secreting whatever pheromones you were secreting she'd be able to read that you know see that and both her and chamber both lost their powers um and ironically they both ended up on a version of the new warriors and she died in that story but then like a couple months later she showed up alive back as stacy x with her power and then chamber after like the age of x he got his power back also if i remember correctly okay so stacy x sucks yep. or she doesn't suck but she's just well she probably did a, as a hooker yeah she did true <laughs> 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 so we'll move on from that and go to lifeguard who i gave a one one and one i can't i remember lifeguard and slipstream who was actually next they were brother and sister I yeah think. they were siblings and i think they had like golden armor or mm-hmm. he did or maybe she did she did um, she had golden uh skin but i can tell you nothing else about him that's literally how much i remember one of them was a healer no 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 i just i just looked it up her abilities are reactive adaption so what she's sort of like um oh what was what was dude's name you're one of your favorite yeah, random. Yeah. Eh. One one one. And then what about Slipstream? You have that info up? <laughs> one 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 for Slipstream. So he's he used to ride a surfboard and he had limited space-time manipulation and reality warping capabilities that enabled him to conjure a warp wave. Psychic navigation use of a shortened metal surfboard and the ability to take other people through the warp wave through increased concentration to maintain the wave. He was a teleporter. I mean, they yeah. gave him some fancy stuff. And the surfboard was short. I remember that. It was like a boogie board. So moving along quickly, we go to someone who moved was exceptionally fast north star i gave him costume as a nine i like the dramatic black and white uh color scheme that he had for powers i gave him an eight and overall i gave him a 10 i've always loved north star and i love i mean when i read alpha flight back in whatever 1990 i was 
too young and too naive to pick it up. But throughout the entire series, Aurora keeps making hints about his sexuality. And it's never said until Flight 106 where he's like, I'm gay. And even when I read it back then, I was like, oh, cool, he's gay. That's cool. I've reread Alpha Flight since then. And now I'm old enough and mature enough to, I don't know if mature is the right word, (laughs) but I understand. (laughs) I understand the references when she says stuff like, you going out camping with a bunch of boys has never been a problem with you before. And I was like, oh. Yeah, they really... Yeah, planted they, those seeds, huh? they planted those seeds the entire time. And I, back then I would just like, oh, he goes camping with his friends. Why is like she giving him <laughs> about that? You know what I mean? I was like, <laughs> I go camping go with camping. my friends. Yeah. What does that mean? You know, so now I, I see it. He stands out to me as more than just a speedster. You know, he's got like the speed. He can fly. He and Aurora are different. Like one is quicker, but one is uh, better at um, control. I like the fact that he's, you know, he's openly gay. So much cool stuff about Norse. Yeah. I gave him nine, eight, and a ten. Like, really dig the character. I gave him a five, a five, and a six. So the the costume, I, I appreciate that Alpha Flight always wore matching costumes. Alpha Flight was good at that, and, and I appreciate that, even though their costumes were a little plain. The powers, I, I wasn't a huge North Star fan like you were. He was a speedster. He was super fast. He was the team speedster. I gave it a five. And overall, I gave him a six. I think the, the character is pretty cool. And then we go from the speedster to the young sister of Cannonball, who is Husk. For her costume, I gave her a one because the only costume I really remember is her Generation X costume, the red one, which was kind of eh. And then for powers, I gave her a seven. Thought it was kind of cool that she can rip away her skin. Kind of gross. And then overall, I gave her a six. You know, cool, unique power set, but nothing that stood out a lot. I really like Husk. I don't know what it is about the Guthries. They have a really weird dynamic. And just like the fact that they're sort of like uh, down south kind of Kentucky coal mining family. Like, I don't, I don't know what it is about that. It's just it's funny. Like when I when I read these characters, like I always give them a really thick southern accent so for husk for her um, costume i gave her a four for sort of the same reason she's constantly ripping off whatever she has on <laughs> um i do like her red her sort of like her red costume uh, her powers are very unique i gave her a six like imagine being like so mad that you just rip your skin off and you're just like <laughs> you're you're full metal like <laughs> <laughs> Come at me, bro. So visually, that was always really fun to see her just like tearing her skin off. Overall, I gave her a five. I liked her. I, same thing. Like she doesn't make or break a team for me. And it's it's cool when she's on a team. But I mean, can you imagine being in a fight with her if you're like a supervillain and suddenly you see this chick just rip off her skin? I mean, would you even stay? Would you even hang around to see what's going <laughs> to happen? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm fighting this girl and she's ripping off her face. I'm going to be like, OK, I'm done. Like, I'm leaving. Like, I don't yeah. need the Hannibal <laughs> Lecter stuff happening. <laughs> Yeah, that's a little you weird. You win, okay? <laughs> yeah, the, the Guthries even have at least, I know, one other mutant. The dude who had wings and stuff like that and played guitar. He appeared during Austin's run, I think. Yes. Oh, yes. I know you're talking about. He was he was, he was, an, was an angel. But yeah, I know you're talking about. Apparently, they have a lot of mutant potential. Like, that's who Sinister should probably check out. Like, these, this family has a lot of mutant children. <laughs> Like, forget Scott and Alex. That's just two kids. These guys have had at least three that I know of. (laughs) So going from Husk, uh, we move on to the man who is a mountain. He is none other than Juggernaut. 
Oh. <laughs> for oh him, God. costume, I gave him a nine. I would have probably given him a ten, but I probably doused out my tens elsewhere. I mean, it's it's a it's a brown costume, right? And he just has a big condom headpiece on, but it, it fits. And I love that they always give him those like knuckles that like plate oh, across yeah, his knuckles. That, that he is. doesn't really. I guess he doesn't really need them, but it's just fits so perfectly. Fits. And then for his powers, I gave him eight. Uh, probably again, I would have probably scored him higher if I didn't use my points elsewhere. Because I love that every time he fights the X Men, he's literally you can't stop him unless you find a way to take off that headpiece and you happen to have a telepath on the team which is probably why the X-Men always have a telepath on their team yeah. <laughs> just in case Juggernaut comes knocking on their door they're like we just got to take off his headpiece and telepath A you just need to zap him in the brain <laughs> and then overall I gave him an 8 uh, one of my favorite all time X-Men characters X-Men villain I'm sorry 9 for costume 10 for powers and then a 9 overall he's just he's a staple man he is a staple you have to his power set is one that you have to find new ways to defeat him what you know person doesn't just dream of like putting their head down and just running through running buildings through whatever's in your way just <laughs> so pissed off <laughs> <laughs> you would slam your head through buildings and his look is awesome we we spoke about him earlier like they always draw him so inconsistent sometimes he's uh, it's the size of a building sometimes it's the size of a regular person but he always looks bad yeah my preference is the exaggerated juggernaut yeah where it, it was just like these two beady eyes it's basically a mountain with legs even with all that like he's he's so versatile in that he can be a one issue villain he does well as a, a in a villain team you know with the brotherhood as paired up with black tom cassidy and he's also been a good guy which mo granted most x-men villains have but they did him very well like i'm i still have a hard time being convinced that Sabretooth is an x-men or you should even be allowed to join the x-men <sighs> why you pick on my dude <laughs> Yeah. It's like it's like letting letting a wolf into your house. It happens in the X-Men. Every time they let him in, Sabretooth, he betrays him. <laughs> he does. And he ends up killing somebody. And he ends up killing some some young mutant or something. It's like, dude, stop <laughs> stop letting this friggin' berserk animal into your house. But with the juggernaut, the run that he was uh sort of partnered up, he he like made friends with Fishboy. I was gonna ask you about that because I think you actually really like that story, right? I loved that story because they did that story so right where Juggernaut ended up like you know he was a part of the team they didn't trust him he said hey you know i'm trying to be reformed uh he he really it really felt like the juggernaut was making an effort to be good and then black tom comes and entices him and he sort of like is poking at him to remind him this isn't you you're a bad guy and he ends up leaving the team in a very redeemed fashion i recommend it it's it's a great story you know what would have been a cool cover? What's that? So you remember when Rogue joined the X-Men, there's that picture of her running and it says, welcome to the X-Men, hope you survive the experience. Very, very iconic saying now. It would have been kind of cool if they would have shown Juggernaut like on the cover standing there and all the X-Men laid out cold. And it says something like, welcome to the X-Men, hope the X-Men survive the experience. <laughs> <laughs> That, that would have been really that good. Would have been, that would have been really cool. And they're all just laid out, <laughs> just juggernaut standing there. <laughs> that, that would have been a great twist. They missed an opportunity there. We go from our star juggernaut to the guy with the star in his head, the other Zorn, which is actually Magneto. Uh, this version of Zorn, uh, it's 111 again. Because we basically have two Zorns on here. I liked the Zorn before he was Magneto, before everything fell apart. Everything after that, I can't really care. I don't really care for. So from the mysterious Zorn, we go to the mystique of Mystique. Like, I've had a crush on Mystique since I was a kid. Like, I've always thought, somehow I thought she was actually hotter than White Queen. Like, her outfit 
was somehow sexier. That white thing and the skull on her forehead. I don't know. Apparently, I like blue. So for Mystique, uh, on her costume, I gave her a 10 because I thought she looked really cool. She looked lethal, scary as heck, but somehow still attractive. And then for her powers, I gave her an 8. I like that she can shapeshift. And then overall, I gave her a 9. Costume, I gave her a 7. I feel like I may have run out of um, higher numbers yeah. because I also like the white sort of like, it's it's a classic look, you know, with the skull on her forehead, right? So she's one of those characters that also it's like, it's not so much the costume, it's the look because even when she's wearing like pants and a regular top, like she looks cool. And then next on our list, we move forward from Mystique and go on a Warpath for the character Warpath. It's no surprise costume. I gave him a 10 because his first costume was based off of Thunderbirds. I've liked pretty much every version that he's made after that. For his powers, I gave him a 7. It's pretty much just like his brothers. Um, Super strength, super speed, and... During an issue with where they encounter Mimic, Mimic says, hey, there, you have untapped potential that you don't even know. And I don't know if they ever explored that because I stopped collecting X-Force later on. And then overall, I gave him an 8 because I like the Native American characters. I gave Warpath a 4 for the costume. Did you did you like the black and white sort of X-Force I did. costume that he had? Yeah, with that mask on his face. Yeah. And then uh, Powers, I gave him a 6. And then overall, I gave him a 5. And then from Warpath, there's no smooth transition. Uh, Lady Mastermind who there happened to be two of them like there was a story where they introduced one but then in another X-Men comic she was over here doing something else and like she got killed but then for consistency's sake there's apparently two Lady Masterminds and it's a train wreck. Uh, To me the original Mastermind is always going to be the best I love his storyline with what he did to Jean Grey accidentally unlocks the uh, Dark Phoenix in her so later Mastermind is just a weak version of him. I gave her a 1-1-1 Yeah 1-1-1 and then Next, we let the feral animal in our house to judge him. This time, we were talking about Sabretooth, who I gave 10-10-10, which is no surprise if you know anything about me. I love Sabretooth's look. I loved his original costume, uh, even the costume later with the X-Men with Jim Lee, Chris Claremont where it's more modernized. Love his costume now. Sabretooth has always been a favorite for the fact that he is simply a feral animal. And when he shows up, it's going to be a good fight. I agree with you wholeheartedly. This is a classic X-Men villain, a classic Wolverine villain. I gave him an 8 for the costume, a 7 for his powers, and then a 9 overall. He is, to me, he's, he's sort of epitomizes the um, killing machine, sort of you can't try trust him, bloodthirsty type character. And even when they don't play him that way, right? So when he goes sort of less feral and he's more conniving, I still, I like that. Like in the early run of the X-Men Blue, the 90s X-Men Blue, when he sort of mixed in with his New Orleans underworld and he's sort of the sleazy dude, like it still fits him perfect. I love uh, Sabretooth. Next we move from the Sabretooth mutant to Omega Sentinel, who I gave one, one, one. One, one, one as well. So we'll move right past that and then we'll go to armor. She's cool. I like that she has that telekinetic armor kind of thing around her, but overall, there was nothing that she's ever done that impressed me. So I gave her a one, one, one. Yeah, I gave armor a four, five, and a one. Four for costume, five for powers, and one overall. I do like the armor look. That's really cool. I think it's creative. Uh, not a huge fan of the character for the most part. From the little that I know of her, it's like great potential. Just haven't seen it yet. All right. 
then next we move to the spacefaring Hepzibah, who is formerly from the Starjammers. For her costume, I gave her an eight. I actually really like that design that they gave her. Uh, one of the cool things is one of her male species um they were in the nova corpse too which i thought was really cool and then for her powers i just gave her a five uh, she is pretty much like a like a humanoid cat you know mm-hmm. she's got the quick reflexes the tail the claws the bite the slight healing factor uh overall i gave her an eight though because she is a part of the star jammers and corsair's main squeeze she gets a default uh extra few points just for being a star jammer yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i'm not i'm not a huge fan I don't know that character well enough. Yeah. So one, one, one. Next, we move to um, Pixie, who I gave uh, her costume. I gave a five. She's usually kind of flying around in the classic uh, black and yellow X Men costume, but she's got like these big like wings, and she has pink hair. I-, I thought it stuck out a little more, so I gave her a five rather than just oh, it's another costume of the X Men. Her powers, I gave a five. She has the ability to teleport and stuff like that. Oh, and she has part of the Soul Sword from. Ilyana. And then overall, I gave her a six. Of all the new characters that they introduced back then with like armor, Omega Sentinel, I thought she stuck out the most. One, one, one. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of new characters and new mutants, we go to Karma, who I gave a five for her costume. And then, because it's the generic, she's been in a few costumes, but the one I always remember is just the generic black and yellow. Powers, I gave four because it's just possession. But overall, I gave her an eight because she was part of the original mutants which i've always loved <laughs> oh man you're not gonna want to hear this one 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 uh you're so wrong <laughs> i just i i honestly i think i just burned all my other numbers on these other characters uh, speaking of new mutants one of my other favorite characters i mentioned earlier we go to sunspot who i gave an eight for costume i dug i actually really really liked it's so simple it's silly like when he was like all black and then he'd have like the yellow dot or yeah. the the dots around him and then the yellow aurora around him dude i loved that costume it was so simple but i really liked it and i liked that he had super strength but he had limits right like he had to be charged by the sun and just because he had super strength he was not invulnerable like if you shoot him he would still he would still bleed so i kind of dug that he had super strength but he didn't have the traditional i'm invulnerable also four for powers because it is just super strength and stuff like that and then overall eight again because he's new mutant and he was one of my favorites what do you got yeah actually uh we're gonna take it up a little bit here from the ones uh i gave him a seven (laughs) for his costume you're absolutely right they the look was very unique Uh, it was just a cool look and i gave him an eight for his powers and then overall i give him an eight i I like sunspot i'm I'm happy when he's on a team and then speaking of sunspots aurora we move to aurora the sister of north star uh for costume i gave her a seven what did i give north star yeah so all right so she scored a little bit lower than north star on the costume for powers i gave her a four probably again i was running out of points Uh, she's a speedster and then for overall i gave her an eight so for costume i gave her a one i was probably running out of points and i'd already given someone an alpha flight uh, <laughs> a high score a higher numbers so it's like uh you guys are all wearing the same costume i can't give you all fives or all sixes <laughs> um for powers i gave her uh six though i thought it was pretty cool that you know she was 
she was on this team of like northern hemisphere superheroes and she had this like light generation manipulation her name was aurora like the, the whole theme was cool but overall i gave her a one i'm not a huge alpha flight fan like when she had her long hair i always thought she was really hot so speaking of hot we go to magma <laughs> see how i'm tying all these in like I, i'm making this flow <laughs> Oh. So for Magma, I gave her a five for her costume. I liked, she's kind of like Sunspot, right? When she was all lit up, she had the fire and then her hair was like all pointy, like kind of like it looked mm-hmm. like kind of a star thing. So I kind of like that. Uh, for her powers, though, I gave her a four. It's just she manipulates lava. But overall, I gave her an eight because her initial appearance in New Mutants in the Nova Roma, I thought it was great. They up her story later on, but whatever. I scored it on that and gave her an eight. Was Magma in the uh, X-Men video game? She might have been. Maybe in X-Men Legends, yeah. Uh, I'm wondering, uh, I'm, I'm looking at Magma and I'm like, I gave her some pretty high scores for a character that I know little of. So for her costume, I gave her a two, power a six, and then overall, I gave her a, um, a three. Now, though, I think the main reason why I didn't give her like ones across the board, not that she was a terrible character, I just never really read it. I, you're right. In the New Mutants, her story was was, was pretty good. But she was in X Men Legends. She oh, was cool. the main protagonist, and I loved that game. I loved that game, and I, I I almost feel like she was that was her first appearance. Like she was a character created for X Men Legends that crossed over into the books and became a like a staple character. So I, I might be wrong on that. I may have yeah, just think, made that up. Yeah, because I think New Mutants twelve predates X Men Legends in the eighties. Yeah. Oh yeah. Then never mind. Then I totally made that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she appeared in New Mutants number eight, first appearance in 1983. Because of that, that's where um, Celine came from, the Black Queen, and that was her main nemesis. Now you know where I'm going with this? Because next we have Dr. Nemesis, who I gave a 111. <laughs> I'm a 111 as well. Honestly, when his name came up, I was like, who? who? So I always confuse him because I know he was around at the same time as uh, Phantom X. I know who Phantom X is. He's the guy that reminds me of. Um, Dr. Oh, what's. No. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Nemesis. Uh, Snake Eyes' villain from G.I. Joe. Snow. Snow. Snowstorm? No, uh, Storm Shadow. Storm Shadow. That's who he always reminds me of when yeah. I see Phantom X. We go back to Alpha Flight again and we bring in Box who is Jamie Madison. And for him, I gave him a four for his costume because he usually just ran around in a shirt unless he manipulated armor. Uh, For his powers, I gave him a three. I didn't really like it too much. Uh, In Alpha Flight, he would do things like build a jet from a few pieces of metal. I just (laughs) never liked him. I just never... They. It was kind of like the Scott and Emma Frost thing, like Guardian died or Vindicator, and his wife became the new Guardian, whatever. And they forced basically Box to be that love interest, and it never fit. Like... Um, so yeah, four, three, and six overall. Just because he's Alpha Flight, I gave him a little bit higher than average. <laughs> That's way high. I don't know very much about this dude. Like hardly anything at all. He sort of reminds me of. Um, he's like Forge. He has essentially yeah. the same power as Forge. Um, I give him a one, one, one. I, I don't know enough about him. And he's to, for him to be like a C-list Alpha Flight character, like dude. Yeah. Forget it. Like he's, he's, uh, I don't know who came first, if it was Box or Forge, but they're essentially the same character. I don't know what they call it, but he can move metal, kind of like Magneto. So he can just move stuff and shape it. Do they I call don't know. it magic? It was like magic, because next we have magic. 
<laughs> uh, who is the uh, I almost said daughter of Colossus, the sister of Colossus. For her costume, I gave her a seven. Uh, one of my favorite costumes of her is when she was like the demon child, where she had like the hooves and like the horns and the silver arm. Thought that was a great look. Uh, for her powers, though, I gave her a three. I mean, it's cool that she can teleport through time and space, but it's not a very unique power. I did like that when she teleports, no matter where she goes, you always side trip through the limbo first. Like you don't just teleport. You actually have to stop through limbo and then keep going. Yeah. I thought that's kind of cool. You're like, ah! Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, overall, I did give her an eight. Literally, I think my score of eight is mostly based off of Uncanny X-Men 160 and the Magic 4-issue Limited uh, series with all of it with being with Belesco and stuff like that. That whole segment, I love. I I really like Magic for her costume. Less costume, more look. I gave her a nine. She's held a lot of cool looks. Um, The costume that you mentioned is awesome, but just like, you know, the blonde bangs and the just like white eyes and the giant soul sword and it's it's just so weird and and cool for powers I gave her an 8 she does do teleportation but she does it in a unique way that she goes through limbo what was her overall for overall I gave her a 9 and then I like that magic now as an adult is sort of like she's I don't want to say ruined or uh, tainted but she is now like the ruler of a hellish dimension and like it's it's sort of like a a a lost innocence right because she was taken as a really young child and she she now as an adult she sort of shrugs it's sort of like like a ptsd sort of this is my life now there's no going back there's no helping me right it's just overall it's a cool story i like magic so i have a question since you brought up her sword what sword do you prefer because before her original soul sword kind of look like a lightsaber and now it looks like the final fantasy 7 cloud sword final fantasy 7 cloud i like that that (sighs) giant the thick blade yeah so we disagree on that like i I like i liked it just being like the lightsaber like she just whips it out and pulls it out whenever she needs it rather than always having it strapped on her back i I don't know why i've just always sort of uh uh, like that that soul sword the bigger one i think maybe because it's sort of like a a weird juxtaposition because she's like this dainty thin little like this blonde girl with bangs and then she has this like giant it's the same reason why i I thought it was cool that cloud had it because it's like unreasonably big yeah he's dainty blonde and has bangs exactly he is magic (laughs) so when it comes to the sword you don't prefer the smaller one you say nay more yes see what i did there that was a stretch that was totally a stretch but next we go good We go to Namor, the Submariner, who I gave a one, one, and a one. I like Namor. I've loved him in Defenders, but as an X-Men, I hated it. You'd say Namor, I say Namor. Uh, I gave him a three for his look. I mean, he's he's the OG mutant, right? He's the original mutant, but yeah, he's sort of just rock speedos. The speedos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, besides that, for his powers, I gave him a six. He's, I mean, very similar to to Aquaman, right? Overall, I gave him a seven. It's kind of weird because even though he he is considered uh, a mutant, I don't really consider him an X-Men necessarily. Maybe I dislike him because he killed one of the members of uh, Alpha Flight. He married Mariana, I believe Uh it's, it's how it's pronounced. And she's like this alien Plodex thing, and she eventually turns into the alien form, which is like devouring. So he grabbed Black Knight's sword and blah, kills her. So he did the world a favor, huh? If you're hoping this is the last one, you're in luck because we're going to talk about Domino. I gave her 
her uh, costume, I gave a one. I like that she has that little patch around her eye, but at that time, Liefeld was drawing everyone with patches around their eye, so I don't think she uh, she stood out very much costume-wise. Uh, for her powers, um, I gave her a three, because to me, uh, my preference is long shot. So when I think of someone who manipulates luck in any form, I think of long shot first. And overall, I gave her a one. She's in the new Weapon X book, and she's been pretty cool in there, but nothing that I would say would change my score at all. So for her look, I gave her a seven. You're right. She did have the the patch on the eye, is like many other characters, but her name's Domino, so it sort of made sense. Uh, that, that, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, the black and white, the pale with the black dot, like a domino. Get it? All right, cool. Yeah, I got it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, her powers, I gave her a seven. I, like you said, very similar to um, to Longshot, but where where Longshot had the, you know, as long as he was doing, you know, something Motors people to be like, yeah, his motives were pure. It worked. With Domino, she was sort of like a black ops type character. Yeah, like he, she can use it she for was, whatever. Uh, even though she is a good guy, she's definitely sort of a gray area type character. I just like that. I don't know why. That is pretty cool. So she can manipulate the odds to her favor. Uh, she has a cool look. And she's also like a, a bad all right, so then that wraps up for the 2000s. Nice. That was, uh, I don't know how you're going to chop this up, but that was like a five-hour podcast, I think. Yeah, four hours and seven minutes. Yeah, time for some breakfast, right? <laughs> well, we had a lot to, uh, we had a lot of ground to cover. We hadn't done this for a while, so hopefully the next one won't be too far out and yep. we won't have <laughs> as much catching up to do. Cool, man. Well, thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, Tom, can you still do it? Where can they find us? They can find us at www.comicrelief.com podcast.com or go to facebook.com forward slash comic relief podcast or go to twitter.com forward slash ah, i forgot our twitter comic relief pod c yeah there you go so twitter is as michael said twitter.com forward slash comic relief pod c and then our instagram is instagram.com forward slash comic relief pod c so go like us, follow us, stalk us. We love it. Please like us. <laughs> and tell your, tell your friends to like us too. <laughs> yeah, tell everybody to like us. <laughs> <laughs> We're very right, insecure. <laughs> thanks for listening. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. Until next, Til next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Comic Relief Podcast. We'll hope you join us next time as we continue to discuss all things comic book related. And until then, make mine marvel. And you see. And independent. Don't forget to check us out at comicreliefpodcast.com or you can visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash comicreliefpodcast or go to our YouTube channel www.youtube.com forward slash comicreliefpodcast podcast and finally there is our twitter page which is twitter.com forward slash comic relief podc i'd like to give a special shout out to travis richards who did the music for the comic relief podcast visit his website at www.travisarichards.com
what? So am I just hanging out until Tom gets on here? Or? Um, yeah. I mean, dude, did he ask you to jump on or did no, I? No, no. He, he. Oh, here he comes. He just had to see that both of them are recording. Hold, please. <laughs> so our next podcast is going to be about Logan Lucky. Yeah. <laughs> or Lucky Logan. <laughs> I'm I'm looking at the news like, oh, something, you know, something about the director and he's not happy. And I'm like, wait, no, that's not the director. This is a whole different movie. <laughs> yeah. Are we going to try to do that 15 minute thing for each one? Let's try it, man. I'll have my, um, I was about to start a timer. My timer on. It doesn't have to be exactly 15 minutes. I just don't want to go on for like, all right, we're going to talk about the first movie. And then an hour and a half later, <laughs> we've only gone through Logan got his family and then he's like oh you're here to pick up my daughter and i was like what (laughs) (laughs) little crimes and stolen bikes and stuff like that Uh, yeah i thought that was done uh whose bike is this (laughs) is this your bike (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of like um (laughs) uh napoleon dynamite when i first saw that movie i was like what the did i just watch uh, let me see. I gave Slipstream a five for costume, a five for powers, and six overall. Uh, that's nope. Go one up. What? You're on the wrong row, dude. <laughs> that's North Star. Oh yeah, one one one. <laughs> <laughs> As I was reading that out, I was googling Slipstream because those are pretty decent numbers, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't remember liking this dude that much. I remember him being a surfer. Go on, enjoy your day, man. Yeah, you too. <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs> Later.